Welcome Wargamers, join your hosts, Falco and Monty, two Canadian wargaming enthusiasts, as we explore all aspects of tabletop wargaming. We roll dice, talk tactics, share hobby hacks, and explore new tabletop systems, all on the Trident Wargaming Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is going to be our first episode ever about Warhammer 40k. Uh, this is opening salvo. I'm joined with Arthur from Charging from Deep Strike. What's happening, thank Arthur? You, thank you, thank you, Bill. You know, just uh, painting and playing a lot of Warhammer. Ah, uh, that's the dream. That's what it's all about. Isn't it? I'd like to say rolling dice, painting models... And uh, trying try to win games. Yeah. Now, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Bill. You've been playing Warhammer for a long, long time, right? It has been a long time, yeah. How did you get started in Warhammer? It, uh, ooh, it started a long time ago. I'd have to say around grade 5, 6. Uh, ended up just kind of meeting up with some friends there from uh, schools on the way home. Uh, stopped into a store, and they ended up, they were playing... Uh, Man of War at the time, pre like Necromunda, and then okay. found out that they ended up playing Warhammer as well. And this was uh, second edition. Uh, when it was oh, still so this is raging. like in the nineties kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I've been playing for a long uh, time. That's one of my favorite questions to ask people. You know, whenever you talk hobby, yeah, because it's really interesting to watch like the different ways that we were all introduced to it. A lot of times it was, you know, you're walking by the mall and you're like, hey, what's that? Or for some people it was the video game, the Dawn of War series or everything, right? Yeah. And the other question, you know, that's really interesting is how we always get brought back into it. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a good, it's a good hobby. It, it's really been a mainstay. Like for myself, I've been going 25 years strong, so... It's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a ride. Kind of always been there. One of the things that uh, I started on with Charging from Deep Strike as a blog is interviewing, you know, some prolific community members and players. Uh, so I, I tried to pick out, like, community leaders or people that are doing really cool stuff. And I think the first question I always ask them is, you know, how did you get into the hobby? And it's always been super unique or the draw of, like, what brings you into it. Some people, they love it for the gaming. Some people love it for the painting. Uh, some people love it just to shoot the shit, have some beers, play some beer hammer, right? Yeah. It's always interesting. Oh, no doubt. So, shout out to Charging from Deep Strike. Uh, if you want to go to chargingfromdeepstrike.ca, you can check out my blog. And on there, you'll find uh, some interviews. Uh, I also have some text-based battle reports. I know a lot of people like to watch videos, but uh, there's people who prefer to read. And that's what that's all about. Uh, that's always cool to check out. We'll we'll be having the uh, links in the description as well, uh, so you can click right on there, make it easy peasy for everybody. So, I guess kicking into the episode, uh, what have you been up to lately? I guess hobby wise, you've been working on any current projects? Oh man, stuff. So, if you're following 40k right now, you have to know that Eldar are on the horizon. <laughs> and uh, for, for anyone that's played, you know, Warhammer for any period of time, Eldar either go in two different positions. They're either, <laughs> like, apex predators, or they're, like, absolute piles of dog crap. And 
you know, anyone that's played a bit of Warhammer back in, like, 7th edition played them when they were Apex Predators. And that's when I first fell in love with our, our pointy-eared overlords. But throughout 8th, because they were an early codex, and, you know, this first half of ninth, uh, they've been struggling. They, they don't have the typical things that make, you know, a good army for, for ninth, like resilient combat units, ability to contest points. Their shooting doesn't have the AP that everyone had after Marines 2.0 and, and 8th. So they've been just really struggling. But they're coming out new, and they've got new models. Some of the rules previews are coming out. So I've been painting Eldar like a madman. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I started off and I was wondering, like, what, what craft world do I want to do? Do I want to go one of the original six, continue off with the Sam Hine, do some Beel Tan, yeah. you know? Uh, and I ended up deciding to go with, like, a, a custom color to try to really expand my painting palette. Because the last army I did was a black non-metal metallic Sisters of Battle armor, which is fun, but you're not painting in any color. So I tried to challenge myself to paint something that's just colorful, blinding, uh, and, and sleek like Eldar would be. So... I've painted up so much Eldar, and I've got so much more to go. I'm just super excited. I got some Wraith Guards done. I got some Wave Serpents, yeah. some uh, some Guardians, like the whole works. Well, uh, if you have the pleasure of watching this on YouTube, there will be pictures you can watch as we're talking about this. Uh, also, we'll have uh, links to Arthur's uh, Instagram for the Charging from Deep Strike where all the pictures have been popping up. I know I've been following them on there. Watching the Eldar yeah, just get punched out, I was like, whoa. So you've been cranking out a lot. And I've also been trying some new techniques, right? Like, uh, you know, this is the first time I've really tried to, to blend with a brush instead of an airbrush on those, like, uh, those uh, Warlock and Witch Power Swords. Oh, yeah. Or even on the Wraithguard Axes. Yeah. Um, I've tried to kind of push myself. Them coming out nice, Gems as well. Thank you very much. Uh, a lot of that comes from those old Warhammer TV videos or just YouTube tutorials, right? Uh, one of my favorites is, uh, I think it's Apathetic Fish. Uh, he's got such great videos. There are so many great YouTubers out there that can show you how to paint tutorials. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's the nice thing about the social age is you're not, you're not trying to emulate stuff that you've been reading in a White Dwarf magazine, you know, being that 14-year-old kid. And if you are that 14-year-old kid, you can YouTube it and watch some of like the world's best like show you videos, right? It's uh, it's quite an interesting time now. You know, uh, that, that kind of brings me back. Back in the day, back probably in your day, um, there, were, there, was, there was models that were not quite released yet. So back then, Eldar, if you were playing Eldar, you used Falcons. Wave Serpents didn't even have a model yet. No. And there was a White Dwarf that came out. That showed you how to paper craft an upgrade to turn your falcon into a wave serpent. <laughs> oh man! Like, can you imagine? Like, you know, 3D printing doesn't exist. There's no Chinese knockoffs. There's none of that. No. It's just like, if you want this cool model, you can paper craft it. Yeah. How wild is that? It's it's right up there with the deodorant stick, uh, javelin like speeder. <laughs> right. I mean, they kind of look like a deodorant stick. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. It's just wild, man. Just wild. No, that's that's awesome. It, it's good to be pumping in progress. It's nice to see projects um, come along, and you know, move to that final, that final endpoint where you have the full army done. It's it's been like that with myself doing some Titanicus lately, just airbrushing a lot of panels. Um, I decided to actually be like a dirty bastard and cheat. I bought a Liquidex. Um, Paint that pen. paint marker you tried out that new yeah paint yeah pen. yeah yeah it, it it's insane it's it goes on so nice it's it's one coat it's 
nice and smooth. Um, now these these paint pens were they designed for models? No, I think they're more like just a generic um, art paint pen. And someone out there is like, you know what, this is going to work for painting trim. Yeah. Well, there's been there's been guys I had to go grab it here. There's been guys that have been using like regular sharpies on like big models on like Titan trim and whatnot and. Uh, Color-wise, it's pretty much an identical match to the Vallejo metal color, uh, the gold. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are super nice then. And, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm able to do a full Warlord in, like, 20 minutes. All the trim panels separate, hit it real quick, and then I glue everything together and proceed. But it's just, it's been really helpful, crank out trim. Like, you can spend hours upon hours painting it. Uh, any Anyone who plays 40K, think... Uh, a walking version of a Heldrake. Oh, okay, my so, God. Like, there's a lot of trim. There's a lot of trim. So, Like painting Chaos Space Marines. Yeah. Yeah. They're... You know, actually, i got to give you credit, because I've seen you try a couple different things over the years of, like, uh, pushing your hobby. I saw you try to do a marble effect. Like, I think you grabbed some bounced dryer sheets for that. Yeah, I did, actually. I just finished doing some of that today, too. <laughs> what's, the, what's the secret behind that? So, you, like, you paint some of it black first, you throw some uh, dryer sheets on it, then you throw some white down and it creates a marble effect, or is it the other way around? No, it, it's pretty much exactly that. Uh, I start off with black, uh, just your regular primer color, and what you do is you place the uh, bounce dryer sheet. Ha like I like to use um, used ones that have already gone through the wash. They're a little easier okay. to kind of stretch out, but I ended up just putting a piece, uh, a panel or whatever the case is, in the middle, and I start twisting it to tighten it up. And you, there's a certain point you can keep twisting it where it just starts to stretch out enough where you'll get some really good um, marbling in the paint. And then I'll take like a weak gray, kind of airbrush over top, let it dry, and then I'll hit it in certain spots really heavy with white, let it dry, pull it off. And it, it does give that webbing marble effect that is really fun to play with. Like there's lots of colors you can use. It's just, I started with black, but I've seen guys use green and creams and all sorts of colors. It's quite nice actually. Well, you know, I have to I have to figure something out for those new Shroud Runner bikes. Because when you look at the yeah. GW picture, they got some camo in them, right? Yeah. Uh, and either I'm going to use a lot of tape and, and masking, or maybe we could do a marble effect, and that, that might be the way to go. Yeah, I'll have to get some super quick. Sheets. Yeah, super quick. So crank out some laundry and just, yeah, grab the <laughs> grab the bounce sheets once you're done. And honestly, that that's what I do. I bug the wife, you know, hey, save those for me. I have a little Ziploc bag full of them. And you know when you're done that next time you have a fire you can use them as fire starter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah, it's been it's been uh it's been good cranking out that stuff. So you've been you've been painting Titanicus, you yeah. uh, you're doing lots of battle tech. Uh but you're thinking about getting into ninth Warhammer. I am right? I am it's I feel it's time. Uh there's a few of us that have been playing the state of 30k while fun is a little stale. And yeah, boo hiss, you know, get it out. But it, it, it's true. It, it's I'm starting to miss some of the layers of like complexity and the tactics with that comes with 40k. And it does definitely itch that competitive playing uh, urge. It, it's nice to really kind of you know flex your brain muscles and play hard. And um, the nice thing about Knight that I've found uh, is. Everybody has that ability to play hard. Like, every codex has yeah. something in it, right? Um, 
especially the newer ninth edition codexes. And you know yeah. what? Uh, what they did with the eighth edition to ninth edition. If you're thinking about getting into Warhammer, now is like the best time because they they're really revamping all the things that, uh, from a design standpoint, just were kind of toxic to the game. So, for example, uh, like rolling against three up invuls. Before, if you could get a three up invul, like when that big Imperial Knight came out, it had a three up invul, and like you know they ended up nerfing that. And uh, there's you know the odd unit entry that gets it. They were just over the top bonkers, and for the most part, they're gone from the game. Games Workshop made a design decision and said, you know what, we think that this is not a good mechanic. We're gonna get rid of it. And they're taking a lot of mechanics like that, like for example, advancing and charging as a rule, has been slimmed down. Now, you know, armies that used to be able to have two or three ways to do it might not even have one. Yeah. Or if you do have it, it's going to be command phase specific, so you can't, you know, and like the blog is named off, charge from Deep Strike with an advance and a, a charge or some stuff like that. So it's such a great time to get into Ninth Edition Warhammer. What I've always kind of liked uh, is the amount of support that the rules and just the game itself has been getting um, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, you'll, you'll pay for the support, but I, I, I feel like the support's never been better than it is right now. And it's just, it, it's nice to see that because I, I like, you know, the constant, I guess, evolving nature of the game. And especially with this new, uh, season with these, uh, secondaries and stuff, from what I've gathered, it'll be kind of an evolving thing every six months or so that things will change and new secondaries come out and it's another season for competitive play. You know, I, I Games Workshop has promised a lot of things in the past and they always promise, like, we're going to do big updates spring and fall and then it gets pushed off. So yeah. I hope that they stick with that. This new chapter approved. They took all the missions that they, uh, they designed with these tournament organizers and these big major tournaments in the States uh, and they approved upon them from the last time. And it looks like what they tried to do was make your uh, win conditions uh, have more agency. So, like, for example, uh, you know, I'm playing a double elimination tournament. We'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But uh, mission 12 is called Tear Down Their Icons. And what you can do as soon as you're over half in your opponent's territory, you can do an action to drop a bomb. And there's actually incentive for troops or units with OBSEC to do it. So they want you to play troops. Troops are actually good to... to you know, do stuff rather than just your mandatory three to fill up your battalion. Yeah. And uh, if these bombs still exist at the end of the game, they detonate and you can score extra primary points. But there's a, a an interactive action on the flip side is if you can get onto your opponent's bomb, they can, you know, uh, uh, defuse it. But again, there's an incentive for troops and for obsec to do it. So they're really trying to reinforce, like, you know, bring more troops, bring obsec, those are things you want. Uh... And, you know, they're actually giving some incentive to go second now, too. Because if you go second, you might be able to zip over, defuse your opponent's bombs, and plant your own. So there's a bit more strategy back, like, in some of the previous editions, where it's not just, you know, go first, leaf lower your turn off. You know, now you kind of think about it, like, fuck, maybe going second is what I want to do. Not yeah. that you have a choice, but, like, it might be... You can play it to the... You can play tactically, depending on if you're going first or second, which is just a great thing to have. Oh, do Yeah, that sounds awesome. And it's not just this one mission that has these things. There are other missions that really reinforce... Uh, like, there's another one. Um, I can't remember exactly. Abandoned Sanctuary is what it's called. And there's a... You score... Um, it's an additional primary, so you score points at the end of every turn for control in the center. Or killing a unit that was on the center. And at the end of the battle, whoever controls the center scores an extra five points. So, like, well, you want to go first to be able to kind of alpha strike your opponent. 
you also want to go second to have the last point, you know, to be able to get on this point. Yeah. Last and, ditch uh, for scoring. That's exactly it. Goonhammer had done some publishing of, uh, like, the go first win rate, go second win rate. And I think it ended up being, like, 57% go first win rate. Uh, and they had some more data to support that the higher skill the game was, the more likely going first was. Which was really interesting, because when Games Workshop published their, published their own data, they said it was an even 50-50 split. So I'm kind of curious what the split actually is. Hmm. But it looks like they're really reinforcing they want it to be balanced. You can win going first, you can win going second. Uh, you can win either or, just play the tactics to the mission. Hmm. That's always nice, though. Uh, especially, you know, coming from a few different games, Alpha Strike usually is, you know, the really big deciding factor. And it can uh, definitely kind of lead to a little bit of the case of the feels bad. Um, but knowing that there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of, I guess, chance to be able to score and really play to the mission and not just trying to wipe each other out is uh, is always nice to hear. Well, and you know, again, to compliment that, for anyone who's played older Warhammer, anytime you go to a tournament, the worst feeling is when you're on Moonbase Clasius and there's no, you know, obs uh, terrain that blocks line of sight. Mm -hmm. But the new terrain rules for ninth kind of go back to the old, like, 3rd edition terrain rules. So there's, uh, if you have a rune that's over 5 inches and you're standing behind it but not in it, it's considered to be obscuring, and it completely blocks line of sight. So whether or not there's a window that someone could tag you with a laser pointer, uh, because you're behind it, you know, they pretend that y you can't be seen at all. So there's so much more LOS blocking terrain than there's ever been. So again, unless you're playing on, like, you know, Crater City, there's always the chance that you're not going to get shot off first turn. That is nice. I, I do remember the first couple games of Ninth, and yeah... Just looking at all the different terrain rules, I was just like, whoa, like, gonna need some flashcards or some business card size stuff with all the rules just laying on the actual terrain pieces, because there was a lot to take in in the beginning. But, you know, don't don't get too scared of it, because it kind of boils down to, like, whether or not you're a rune, or if you're, like, a, a crater or a forest, because that's a different type of terrain. Pretty much the important ones are dense and obscuring. And if you're not one, you're the other, or you're nothing. But then there's, you know, the odd weird ones, like if you're a barricade, uh, which they've made cool rules for, to be honest. Um, barricades give some of the best terrain in the game. That uh, This hardcover and uh, defense line, they're they're super awesome. Hmm. Yeah, the, the rule set for ninth is fantastic. It's, I know it's definitely uh, luring me back in, so hoping to start, you know, rolling some... Ninth edition dice and get back into the swing of things and uh, check it out. I know uh, locally, um, you know Edmonton here. It's been a very, it's been a very uh, successful like Warhammer city for gaming in general. Um, there's a Long lot weather. of well, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of talk. You know, in the last few years of the gaming scene is is pretty big. There's a, a few different systems that really you know, like to vie for attention, but the biggest one has always been 40k, and uh, I know that's been quite a big, um, a big part, like, for yourself as well, uh, you're one of, you know, uh, for people who may or may not know Arthur, he's one of the leading, like, driving forces, uh, I'd say, within, like, the local, um, that's been around for quite a, quite a decent amount of time, so it's yeah. just, 
yeah. I started the original Edmonton Warhammer League, I think, in 2014. Uh, I was, you know, I was trying to play pickup games. There wasn't a lot of organization for like newer players at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, at the same time, I was also playing like leagues through Edmonton Sport and Social Club for like dodgeball and basketball and stuff like that. So I was like, hey, what if we do that, but with Warhammer? And it was wildly successful, right? You know, I ran multiple seasons. I passed the hat on to others. They ran multiple seasons. And it's kind of come full circle back to me. So uh, we got two things going on right now that are super exciting. The first is a double elimination league style tournament. Uh, it's called Garage Hammer 22. It's uh, this uh, this spinoff of something I did in a different town when I was up in Cold Lake for a year. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've, I've kind of griped about playing tournaments in Warhammer before in the past is that, you know, as soon as you lose one game, you can be out. And part of that's due to strength of schedule, right? No one wants to spend three days playing Warhammer unless they're at the LVO. Uh, which is, you know, necessary, I guess. That's We only have a weekend. Uh, but this whole double elimination tournament is, is really that. Like, you can you can lose one game and you can still come back through the loser's bracket and, uh, and, and win it all. So that's super, super exciting. And as soon as we're done, as soon as Garage Hammer 22 wraps up, we're going to kick off the very first EWL 22, Season 1. So it's kind of like a new beginning for that. And uh, it's, it's a big thing because the last two years with... COVID uh, going around, you haven't been able to do that, so I'm very excited to bring that out. That's true, yeah. It's been it's been a little tough for some of the gaming, right? It's picking up, but it's uh, still yeah, slow to go. Although the se- the new season stuff, uh, reading some of it has been uh, pretty neat to see because I've been curious, right? Like if it's if it might just line up with my intent of coming back and jumping in the ninth, if I could, you know, try and get in on the league. I think that's one of the best ways to get, uh, just to get games in and learn because you're playing so many people and you're really getting a good uh, exposure to a bunch of different codexes. So, Yeah, absolutely. You're going to expand your horizons. You're going to meet new people. Maybe you'll play at new stores. Maybe you'll find a new best friend, right? Uh and like you said, you'll play against a, a range of armies. So you're not just going to play against your buddy Space Marines all the time. Yeah. Maybe you'll play against Orcs and, and Eldar. In my uh, So I'm in round two of Garage Hammer. We just finished up round one. I managed to win my first game. Uh, and I played against the new Tau Codex. So that was really cool, because I, I don't have a lot of friends that play Tau anymore. Yeah. And uh, round two, I'm going up against Orcs with uh, Gazgul Thraka. And I don't have a lot of friends that play Orcs, right? Like, my friends play a lot of other stuff. So I'm playing against two people who I've never played against before, which is awesome. Against two armies, which I don't have a lot of chance to play against. So it's just, it's exactly what you said. The chance to get out, meet new people, play more games. No, that's always good. Always always getting to, you know, interact with new new players and armies is, is a win for sure. Uh, I know the and, that double elimination league sounded pretty neat when I was first looking at it. I was like, oh man, I wish I knew how to play again. Yeah, totally. The, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's semi-comp in nature, right? And that's kind of what we told everyone. Like, play to win, but, like, play with intent, right? Like, if someone makes a mistake, you know, if it's not the end of the world, let them take it back. This isn't the LVO top tables. We're not playing it on stream. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff. You know, like you said, there, there's always so much going on in Edmonton. Uh, it, it's nice to be able to meet new people and, you know, other stuff going on. That's not the only things that are going on. There's also that Golden Grot over at Kingsway, the Kingsway Games Workshop. They're doing their once annual... Uh, painting competition yeah that's true are you gonna drop anything off i don't know I, I i've done it the last what was it i did it last year and then i did it pre pre-covid uh pre-covid was pretty legit i ended up uh getting in the open category i ended up uh 
getting first with Lehman Russ. And then yeah, um, last year I just fell done. short a little bit in some of those other categories. So there's a nice, nice like array of uh, painters though that came out of the woodwork this time. I mean, some of the guys that work at DW were good, and some of the other people in town, like uh, Stephen Lind, is one of our Edmonton boys, yep. and uh, he's won the Renaissance Man Award at the LVO, I think, twice. This last year, he came in second for painting at the LVO, so it's hard to compete with some of these guys. No, don't. Uh, but I think this year for the Golden Grot, they have uh, like best small model, best large model for 40k, and I think they're doing the same thing for Age of Sigmar, and then I think they have a couple more categories. But they want you to have your model there for a whole week. You got to drop it off, kiss it goodbye, you know, tuck it in, yeah. and you'll pick it up next week. Hopefully with a trophy. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think it was the. I remember they were talking about expanding it just for more um, exposure time uh, for voting and stuff too. I mean, why not? Yeah, totally. I would love to do, and I don't know how to implement this. You know, attach with one of the leagues, like an armies on parade for the league day. Because with the league, sometimes we get, like, you know, in the past, up to 40 people in it. It's true. And some of these people are cool at painting, so it'd be cool if we could do something like that. Oh, no doubt. That would be actually a lot of fun to to check out, just to see who would come out of the woodwork to actually throw down some models. Totally. Uh, that's not the only thing that's going on. <laughs> Alberta's a busy place, too. There's a couple tournaments out in Calgary. One's a major. They've advertised that. Um, if you if you like playing big Warhammer, uh, majors are important if you're trying to collect those all important ITC points, because uh, there's a there's a modifier depending on how many players you have. So you need to win the majors and the super majors to really get on that scoreboard. So they got a two day players pack uh, over at Ogres Den, and I was looking at their players pack, and it is the best players pack I've ever seen. Like it's the most thorough. They give exact details on what's acceptable for like paint and for proxies and for terrain and. Uh, I've never seen a player's pack as well done as that one. So if you want like a really good tournament experience, I would look into that. It's called Fool's Errand Tournament. Nice. Players. There's also like a, like a, I think a five-man team tournament also going on sometime in the future. If if that's more your jam. Well, that's killer. Well, it's nice to know that uh, there are a lot of opportunities for different events, just locally and abroad. Right? It's. It's good when the system has some some heat behind it, you know. So when is the Trident Wargaming tournament coming back? <laughs> oh, it's come on, open system. We could BattleTech, Warhammer, everything you guys do. It's uh, there are plans um, to try and do that in the future. I'm slowly chipping away at a couple different uh, systems. I, I'm planning on actually end of March to host a Titanicus event at uh, Red Claw. Um, hey, right on. Yeah, try and start kind of growing that system up a bit and from there start kind of trying to dabble and keep some of the player bases live, right? Probably get something for Heresy shaking up in a bit and then obviously with jumping into ninth, it's it's only a matter of time. I'm just kind of waiting on just a few little odds and ends to wrap up, and for COVID to kind of fuck off. And I think it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a good time. Um, just waiting for a few things. Totally, totally, totally. So, but uh, when it does come down to that, oh, don't worry, we'll we'll definitely be talking to get some things lined up. Get some things lined up. Now, I know you want to play Warhammer. What, what army? When are you get into ninth? Because it's not if, it's when. 
What are you playing? Uh, I thought I knew um, <laughs> a little while ago, uh, but I've recently signed up for a uh, paint course, been kind of watching some videos, experimenting and learning, and I'm, I was going to start with my orcs just to kind of learn the game and paint them because they're all built and primed, and then I was like, well, Jukari would be nice. I have a big army new on Spruce sitting there, but to be honest, I think I'm going to go back home to some power armor. Uh, oh my finish God. off my space marines because my chaos marines are pretty much done uh, finish off my space marines I'm rocking the executioner chapter okay so okay I, yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I run them out of the imperial fist book um, which they're not even a part of which is upsetting but uh, that's okay for now I, I you're playing chaos space marines as regular marines no oh no no I, I executioner marines these are primaris uh Full bar, oh, okay. Primaris Marines, yeah. Oh, yeah, I see. They're a third founding successor chapter of the Imperial Fists. Yeah. So anybody worth their salt for some sweet heresy action knows that, yeah, they followed Fafnir Ran, created a new chapter, became a big thing, and then they were a forge-world army for the uh, Betab Wars. Oh, they rebelled during the, yeah. the Betab Wars, right? Yeah, they And did. they joined the secessionists by... Uh, uh, Loft Huron or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. this is taking me back. This was a big deal. It was. Uh, it was huge. Yeah, and they teamed up with uh, Mantis Warriors, and I want to say, oh, oh God, I want to say the Star Phantoms. There wasn't a whole lot of Trader Marines, um, but there was a few that kind of turned. Same with Astral Claws, right? And then they ended up uh, getting brought back to the the light and had to go on a kind of Pendant's crew type deal but yeah they're back in the fold they just don't exist in the ninth edition codex or in the supplement anymore right they had to do a hundred years uh contrition and survive on a crusade and their planets their twin chapter worlds were given over to the salamanders to, to overcome just looking up their flock here these are really yeah. cool stuff you know some of the old history uh of like the badab wars or the war for armageddon uh, I feel like Games Workshop's kind of lost out on because these were big events. I feel like you know, Vigilus Ablaze isn't nearly as cool as as this, with the exception of Katie falling. That was badass. That was that was badass. Uh, you know, Calgar had way too much plot armor, but uh, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> um, they should have just killed him. Goleman's back, right? It would have been cool. It would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. You could have brought a new dude, but who knows? That's kind of sacrilege to some of the Smurf players out there. So. Um, but yeah, Beta War when that all came out, like that was just, just as we were starting to get into the heresy stuff, and then fast forward nine years and we're here. So, but well, here's how it's gonna throw down. You got to finish off your your Space Marines or whatever. Yeah. And this new box set for the Eldar that just came out, it's called Eldritch Omens, and it's Eldar versus Space Marines, and they're fighting over this uh, Maiden world that the the Chaos Space Marines have kind of invaded. So. You, let's get you into 40k. We'll play this out. We'll do a little campaign. It'll be awesome. That I actually I'd be down for because uh, I've been actually, I've, I've been appreciating ninth for the simple fact that I can port over my heresy stuff and mix it in with my Black Legion, Chaos Marines, and I can have my Iron Warrior troops running around and it can all be Black Legion like all these war bands just kind of jumbled together, and it, it's. I like the freedom to do that using that compendium book that came out where 90% of my army ports over for use in the actual game. It, now, 
it may not be the most point efficient or command point efficient because I know there's a thing you had to spend points to actually use some of this stuff. Right, uh, for your re- relics, relics and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. you know, it, it still gives you options, though. If you have that one model, like, you just never want to leave home without, be it that Leviathan or, you know, your Venatar, you can use it. And that's what really kind of drew me into Chaos Marines would be legit because I can use everything. And Iron Warriors didn't change that much through the Heresy, so there's no real issue there. And it's just, the, even the new scale, it's not, it's less than that an eighth. That far off. Yeah, it's less than an eighth. Yeah. So, it, it's good. I definitely would be down to to do that while I get those Primaris rolled out. You know, uh, I talked a lot about competitive Warhammer today, but I do firmly believe that the best Warhammer is when you're playing the stuff that you love. Like, regardless of whether or not it's point for point the most efficient shooting and killing you could have. Mm-hmm. If you're playing, you know, and, and in my case, my pet models right now are an Eldar Seer Council. They are not good, but I love them. <laughs> right? Uh, so kind of playing the stuff you love, you know, maybe put a narrative spin on it or whatever. That's the best Warhammer. Have a couple beers. There you go. Yep. Well, I can definitely... And the rule set supports it. The rule set supports it. And that's... I think that's one of the biggest uh, things is having a set that does actually support the ability to to play more of a narrative background or... Again, every codex has potential to throw out some hurt. It's uh, it's quite nice. Especially, uh, like you said, the newest ones are pretty beefy I've, I've heard a lot of good things about it and they've been moving and you know what quick I the, think. the old, one of the oldest codexes out there right now the, the Tyranids codex they almost won the LVO yeah which is pretty sweet did now so, was that just straight pure codex or was it like a soup of gene stealer and or the crusher stuff uh, I th- there there was there was a couple different Tyranids lists that came in one was that crusher stampede and if you don't know what that is there was a white dwarf that came out that uh, made the Tyranid monsters really good. They made them take less damage, they can shrug some wounds off, they have a better save. Uh, so that's been kind of pounding out. I don't remember if it was that, or if it was uh, Tyranids mixed with a little bit of Gene Stealers. But the Tyranids that are mixed with a little bit of Gene Stealers, it's not really the Gene Stealers that are pulling the weight, it's the the Hive Guard and the, the actual the, the Nid Codex stuff that was doing all the killing. Nice. That is but nice I mean, like, if like you that. if you're honest, Gene Stealers should be working with Tyranids, right? Like, that's it's true. I mean, the Tyranids will eventually eat and kill the Gene Stealers, but on Ascension Day, they'd work together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can I can definitely believe that. I could I could. It's it's going to be good. I, I I am excited for Ninth and all the uh, all the gaming that comes with it. Uh, the system. We were playing the tail end of 8th, and we're getting into some Tale of Four Warlord stuff, uh, learning the system together, playing, and I remember ninth dropped. We only played, I think, three games, and then that was it. I just got sucked back into some other some other s- systems, but uh, yeah, it's there's a few guys who are have the itch, that's for sure. Well, there's lots of great places to do that. Uh, if you if you got the itch and you're around the Edmonton area, you can hit me up. Uh, I go by Oliver Zoe on, on socials, or you can hit me up on my blog or whatever, and I'll, I'll give you not only the rundown of how to play ninth, but some of the tactical depth behind it. And there's a million different places to play good Warhammer in Edmonton. There's, you know, Red Claw, Industrial Park Games. Uh, there's uh, Gamer's Den. There's Taps for Effect. 
there's that St. Albert Club Saga, yeah. and they're the only spot in the city where you can get beer and wings and play Warhammer. Yes. Uh, Scotty B is the man down Scotty there. B. And uh, I have partaken at Sega many a time and never had a bad beer or a bad game. So, if that doesn't convince you to go, nothing will. No, the boneless, the boneless <laughs> wings. Oh, the boneless, <laughs> yeah, the pork that's, bites, yeah. That's what you go for. <laughs> Never mind the Warhammer. It's the boneless wings. Uh, awesome. So good. So, with with the way Ninth is going, um, do you find that this new, I guess, this new era where there's a lot more feedback from playtesting and the consistency of uh, chapter approved, tweaking points, a lot of FAQs. Like, Drukari, they've had a ton of FAQs and they're still doing really well. I, I, I do find myself asking, like, was the book either, like, that good or have people just kind of cracked this really nice code with the codex? I know custodies are kind of being talked about, uh, Tau's being talked about uh, now because obviously they're the latest and greatest and I'm sure we'll all be talking about Eldar and you know, a month's time, just be like, oh, it's just, I, I don't know, like, is it, was it that bad, or? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think there's a whole bunch of compounding factors. Yes, Dark Eldar were very good, and when they nerfed them originally, they took care of the bad builds, but they actually gave them a buff, too, and from that buff spawned a new Dark Eldar overlord, and I think it was dubbed as Thick City, but it was like the Pain Engines, the Talos, and the Kronos, and then they were top dog for a while. I have heard of I don't Thick think, City, yes. I don't think that it would have been as big of a problem if, you know, the, the shipping problems due to COVID weren't as prevalent. Yeah. Because the stuff that eats Dark Eldar alive, those T3 and, uh, you know, T5, T6 vehicles, T3 models, that's, that's Tau and regular Eldar's bread and butter because you're going to put the stuff that's really good into that, like your shirt cannons, your bright lances, and you'll eat it alive. But there was no uh, counter for it, right? And so it kind of reigned unsupreme because the things that would be brought back, you know, normally in a month or two uh, to kind of fight at that took six to eight. Like, I think uh, on the the original release schedule that was leaked, we should have already had World Leaders and Angron and, and had all the codexes out by now, but we don't. That's true, yeah. And Games Workshop did do a lot of things, like they released points changes early to try to tame stuff down. Uh, and the the bigger offender, and actually they ended up winning the LVO, was Admech, because their infantry were just compoundingly good with the amount of buffs and strategies you could put on them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Games Workshop kind of reined that in too. And, uh, you know, Sisters of Battle, they, uh, they they had some really high placings last, last fall, and uh, come, you know, after the print cycle works out, because they got they got to be a few months you know ahead of schedule there. The they ended up nerfing some of those sisters units that were just overwhelmingly being chosen or maybe too good for their cost. So I don't think that people are satisfied with how quick Games Workshop does it, just because with the print system and the black library system and let's face it, Games Workshop's never going to give up black library. That's their publishing company. That's their bread and butter. Yeah. That's their IP, and that's what really Games Workshop is selling. Uh, it's just not fast enough for people's liking, but that's. Never gonna change. No, that well, yeah, it's definitely impatience is a thing. I, I'm gonna sound super, super old, but back in my day, 
it was you were lucky if you got two or three codexes in a year. Like when, but I mean, like, back then there was only eight codexes. Well, that's right? true. That's true too. But like, it's changed a lot for the better. I think like it's just the speed that stuff comes out now is it's never been as good, right? Like as it is now, and it's just it's in a good it's in a good spot. Um, just as me looking on the outside, right, or from outside in, it's just that's kind of how I see it. I just you know it's a little bit intimidating to jump back in after playing all these other systems for so long and the problem is, is with ninth my biggest struggle has been trying to identify what other people's armies do and you know unless you're playing them quite often it's hard to keep track of what they do not to mention codexes you've never played before and i just got into a mindset of just tell me what it does because i'll just believe you because it's so like so whacked on some of the stuff because there's there's so many things. It's not just knowing the data sheets anymore. Yeah. Because they've moved a lot of the data sheet abilities to stratagems, right? So if you're playing against someone else, you got to know their warlord traits, their relics, their stratagems, their data sheets, um, and whatever their chapter tactics are. Yeah. And their army wide bonus, right? So now there's like seven things you got to know. And sometimes those all compound to, to do crazy shit. Like, uh, just crazy stuff, right? So th that that is, you know, something to. That is definitely something that's that you have to kind of play games to get over that hump. Yeah. But uh, on Reddit, I was reading uh, this list of questions that someone asks whenever they go to a tournament. And this is a guy who plays maybe as much Warhammer as I do, right? Like, not as much as someone who's going to the LVO, but more than the average person. And they asked them, like, uh, do you have any abilities to fight first or last? Do you have any abilities to advance and charge? Um, you know, what is your two core stratagems you want to use? Uh you know these these types of questions to try to get like the big things and prevent any gotcha moments because yeah whether you're playing in a tournament or not trying to avoid those gotcha moments is going to make it a better gaming experience for everyone oh for sure for sure i i don't like gotcha moments um in any real game i i, I don't want to win on a technicality or you know you made like a, a big mistake i'd rather win on my like generalship and the way that I'm employing tactics, and uh, yeah, totally. There, there is the one thing I tell people to start of the game, and I, I make a big deal out of it. I say this character has a fight last effect, and then I tell them straight out, I'm not going to remind you if you walk into this character because as soon as you remind people, oh, this person fights last, they're always like, oh, I'm just not going to go near them then. Yeah, and like I tell them like five or six times so they don't forget. And then half the time they forget anyways, and they'll be like, just so you know, they have fight last. But uh, there's a couple things where, you know, I'm kind of wondering, like, is that a gotcha moment if you specifically tell someone, listen, this, don't fuck with it, and then they forget? Because, you know, you don't want them to forget, but every time you remind them, they're like, oh yeah, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, well, I, I think at a certain point, no, there's no gotcha moments with that. It's, again, it's, you're learning... And to be honest, I kind of prefer to learn that way is learning those hard lessons because they usually happen once. And you're like, oh. Yeah, it'll happen once. I You'll lose a game again. because of it. Yeah. I ain't doing that again. I'm going to remember that, right? Like, it's. Uh, we, we did the similar kind of training stuff when it came to, you know, prep for our LVO games and stuff. It's like, hey, we're going to play hard because that's how you're going to learn. And if you forget, you'll you'll remember next time. 
it was uh, it was my buddy Dan that keyed me onto this, and he played a lot of Death Guard at the time. And if you, this is one of those things. If you play against Death Guard, you know they have this one character who's got these two fight last effects that are just the best in the game. And uh, he would always remind me. And then one day he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna stop reminding you because you're on your own now. You've played enough games." Yeah. Uh, and that game, I still fucking walked into it. After that game, I've never walked into that character again. It's it's a good way to learn. It really is. There is always a learning curve. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to jumping in for some uh, 40k in the future. I think it'll be uh, really, really good. Um, any plans after Eldar, or are you just gonna kind of run them for a while and crank out? Like, I know you were doing Sisters. You have anything else on the, yeah. on the go in the horizon, or future projects you want to do? Well, I've pretty much painted every Sisters model that exists. I think I think we're done with sisters now, yep. and I want I want you know a competitive Eldar list, but we'll see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. There's a couple things I would like to. I've always kind of you know played around with. I'd love to have a Tau army. I, I like the suits. I like the Gundam style stuff. Yeah, uh, I think they're neat. So I've, that's always kind of considered that. Uh, and then, you know, once upon a time, I was an Emperor's Children player. I had a whole Forge World suite. I never even played 30k. I wanted to get into it, I, but I just love the aesthetic. I wanted you to get into it, man. I remember seeing pictures <laughs> of that army. I was like, oh, dude, why aren't you playing? Like, <laughs> I, had all the, I had all the 30k stuff. Yeah, you, you know, did. Uh, I, I would love to do like a, an Emperor's Children-esque Space Marine army. I'm probably going to you know call them Loyalists, and maybe they'll call them Sons of the Phoenician, as Games Workshop did, but that, those purple Space Marines. Yeah. out. Oh, that uh, would be awesome. So that's, you know, you know, when these new Primera sculpts are just so beautiful. They are. And Space Marines will never be bad. They'll, they'll, you know, they might not be the Apex Predator, because that's Eldar's rightful place. Whoa. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they'll, they'll always be good. They'll always be viable Space Marines. Yeah. No, well, Space Marines, Power Armor always has a special place, I think, with a lot of players it's so, so iconic um it's kind of an interesting way to go right i know some guys like their firstborn some guys like primaris some guys don't care they'll run a mix uh it's i like different eras of marines for different reasons right like executioners are purely primaris just i wanted all something nice new and a little bit of a step away from the heresy stuff where I still have the opportunity to port over my Space Wolves from Heresy, so I could play them as just all Firstborn, which has pros and cons, right? Um, but I think it's fluffy for them, so that might be fun to experiment with as well. Totally. But yeah, Marines. Marines are Marines are fun. They're definitely they're definitely cool. I need a Chaos Codex to come out though, so I can stop seeing your flaming just flame up the chaos marines all the time with how many wounds spill over from the new elder weapons you know what it is actually time i forgot i gotta set the <laughs> clock back every week every week i gotta make a new meme about how you know chaos marines don't have two wounds uh... i've made some i've made some pretty good memes you know here are some things that have two wounds that uh that you know chaos doesn't drones have two wounds uh argo flagellants have two wounds yeah jet bikes have two wounds 
uh, fucking servitors probably have more wounds than a chaos space marine. Oh god, I, I I don't doubt it. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're pretty bang on with it, Luke Ash. I'm sorry I reminded him. <laughs> Set the clock back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why they've done chaos so dirty. Uh, with, what? With uh, there was a point in time, Eighth uh, Edition, where like chaos were just crushing it. I remember early on, like chaos were so good, and then something happened. And it just that was it. Well, I knew I know like a new marine codex did drop, but just I don't know what happened. It just the momentum stopped, you know. So. Um, I think that maybe they didn't get the the same amount of love out of psychic awakening that some of the other stuff got, but they did get the, some stuff, right? Like That's they got true. their possessed bombs, and they were doing some other jank. That is true. Uh, I think there was a way that people were doing some like some three up invuls on something and. I think there was another thing where some some guys could shoot twice due to being you know emperor's children or something like that. I like I do remember playing a little bit of the uh, psychic awakening with the, my iron warriors and getting yeah, getting a couple cool little upgrades to play around with. Um, it made it feel like a fun army to play, at the very least, which is always the the main concern, right? You want to have fun rolling dice, so it's just yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them get some more love and start competing and, you know, really being able to go toe-to-toe with some of these uh, other armies. So. And from from the rumors that are coming out, uh, Chaos Space Marines is supposed to be pretty good. And, you know, at the tail end of this year, we're supposed to be looking at uh, a new Chaos Primarch. I have, I have loosely read some stuff. Like, I did see an Angron uh, mention. I, I, I just saw, like, another Primarch. I was like, hmm. Well, you know, uh, Angron has been, you know, teased forever, and there was a pr- there was a leak list that got published a few, few months ago now, and it, that leak list has been bang on for everything. And well, Games Workshop will address some other leaks. There's been radio silence on this one, so I would say that there is going to be a World Leaders Dex, and there is going to be, uh, you know, Angron coming out. But the thing I'm the most surprised about is that they never did Fulgrim. Yeah, that's, it's kind of weird. I was hoping they were gonna keep kind of pushing and get the remaining uh, Primarchs done, like the Trader ones anyways. And, you know, you always kind of hold out hope that they're going to bring out uh, a lo- another Loyalist one. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting when we talk about Chaos that we have we have Nurgle and we have their Primarch, right? Mortarian. Yeah. We have uh, Tazinch and we got their Primarch, Magnus. So if we're thinking about Corn, it's got to be World Eaters and Angron, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's got to come. There's no one else that embodies a Chaos God of, of corn more than Angron. I don't think. No, it's true. And, you know, also Fulgrim. So those are coming. They're, they're definitely going to see some love. Uh, this was supposed to be advertised as the Year of Chaos. It would be cool. I know at LVO they did uh, preview Kabanda, so... What do you think would be the next uh, Loyalist Primark? Well, I'd love it to be Lehman Russ. That'd be great. Um, either you the... think it'd be all chaos fucked up with like part wolf and stuff? I have a feeling he'd be like, yeah, probably pretty hardcore, like mutated to wolfen, just from roaming around in the eye. There's even like some fluff where he they find his armor in a temple of corn. Oh, so I like, didn't know that. I'm not sure. 
if he took it off and like put corn armor on and started killing more stuff or what the story is it's there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of fluff out there saying that he's still roaming around you got uh Korax who's like allegedly mutated to this weird bird demon thing just killing traders and um the con who heard about that one too yeah yeah the con got you know caught and kind of getting penetrated by uh dark eldar it's the last i heard <laughs> right he got caught in the webway by dark eldar that's the last i heard about him and then um, well that explains why dark eldar have been so good lately <laughs> yeah uh yeah that's kind of like the main rumors that i heard like it would be cool to see a lorgar model come out or even a wicked like beefy obliterator perch rabo kind of demon engine oh, type model cool. but yeah yeah, it's hard to say what they'll what they'll end up uh, bringing out. It really is. Well, what are we missing for Horus Heresy? Just the Emperor now? Yep. Pretty much. Well, like there's some smaller characters that are missing, but for the main the main run, yeah, it's the Emperor, which he'll eventually be coming out. They mention him in, uh, I believe it's Book Eight, or sorry, uh, no, I think it is Book Eight, um, where Custodes kind of army can use him as a warlord do they give him rules not yet but that's oh, that's the, man. I, I, the rumor that he will get rules which is kind of a weird it's kind of a sour point for me because like how can you put stats on like the emperor it's like putting stats on god right that's kind of it's kind of a sin well, it, well it is it's weird because okay so what is he going to be like a level five psyker the highest well you know they four, did right it's just mm. I think the only point of comparison you can really have is when you look at the old uh, Warhammer Fantasy stuff. Yeah. When they had, like, Carl Franz Ascended, or Nagash, right? The end time stuff. Yeah. And they started putting, like, god-level stats on stuff. Uh, and they, there was the the elf one, too. I don't remember what happened there. But I think that's kind of what they'll have to look like for the Emperor, right? And they'll obviously do Horus Ascended, yeah? I could. I'd be surprised if they didn't. I mean, he fucking killed Sanguinis, and he, uh, you know, messed up the Emperor, so he's got to be pretty tough. Yeah. It is true. Yeah, it is true. It'd be... I guess it'd be interesting to see how it all kind of breaks down. It'll be interesting, for sure, like, what happens with Heresy. There's talk about new box sets and everything else, but... It's just, I don't know. I, I, I gotta... I gotta keep playing games and rolling dice and... I don't want to hold my breath for that. It could be a year before that shit comes out. So, sure, we could uh, we could be back to the old world before that comes out. <laughs> yeah, for real, right? So, I I am looking forward to it though. The executioners being pretty much built, minus a couple vehicles. It's just airbrushing and painting, and they've been getting painted pretty quick when I was actually like concentrating on them. So. Shouldn't take long to get them wrapped up, and then after I'm done that painting course, hopefully, uh, maybe jump into Drakari. There you go. So, Love to see it. Get some 40k in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely down. I'm definitely down. Uh, did you? Well, uh, did you have any other shout-outs or anything you wanted to talk about? Yeah, uh, I mean, shout out to chargingfromdeepstrike.ca. Check out the blog. We do battle reports. We do some interviews. Uh, we, you know, we're going to be even interviewing this podcast here coming up. We should be publishing that soon. 
Uh, we've done some other prolific stuff, like, you know, a, a local 40K guy who's also a published author. So kind of navigating that. Um, check out Garage Hammer 22. You'll see that link on the blog. And uh, look forward to the return of the Edmonton Warhammer League. Uh, and this summer, the Edmonton Warhammer League Open. I don't know what that looks like, but I know what's going to happen. I'm sure it'll be awesome. I'm sure it will. So, yeah, excellent. Check. Make sure you guys yeah check the description. We'll have all the links in there, uh, so you're able to connect with uh, Arthur and uh, follow along on the blog and Instagram. And um, yeah, just definitely uh, enjoy the pictures that you see and some of the articles on the page. So, and Arthur, obviously, thank you a lot. Thank you so much for coming down and chatting 40k with us and letting us know how the current state is i know I, i'm definitely excited to jump in so it's the best time to get in ever we're back to you know the way warhammer should be with eldar on top oh everything is right in the world and uh my goodness that's honestly in the past five years if there was ever a time to recommend someone to get into warhammer it's now it's the best it's ever been like talking about sixth and seventh edition when they had Tawdar or psychic death stars like all that is gone and while there are still things that are good they're not oppressive like they were so it's just honestly the best time to get in that's excellent that's that's always good to hear i know people always kind of get leery and they remember some of the the old days so it's nice to hear that everything's kind of new and fresh and ready to ready to you know tantalize the tactics and painting and playing hard games so look forward to it well absolutely and yeah thank you everybody for uh listening and we'll definitely be having more uh 40k talk as i start to jump into games we'll have arthur come back we'll talk a little bit more we can hear about the uh garage hammer 22 and this is just the opening salvo it's uh, been a long time coming so i uh, i think you guys will like the 40k content as it comes out and we will uh catch you next time all right, thanks for having me, Bill. For sure, man. Thanks for listening to everyone else. Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it.